0: Entrepreneur on Fire, Episode 129.
1: Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John
0: Dumas. Hey, Fire Nation. Are you ready to launch a website? I've created a free step-by-step video that will walk you through the process of buying your domain, installing WordPress, and creating your first post all in under seven minutes. Visit entrepreneuronfire.com blue to find out more and take your entrepreneurial leap today. Okay, let's get started. I am simply electrified to introduce my guest today, J.D. Roth. J.D., are you prepared to ignite? I am. All right. J.D. is an accidental personal finance expert, a regular guy who found himself deep in debt. After deciding to turn his life around, he read everything he could about money and finance. In 2006, he started the award-winning blog, Get Rich Slowly, which Money Magazine named the web's most inspiring personal finance blog, and Time Magazine named one of the best blogs of 2011. J.D. is the author of Your Money, The Missing Manual, and now writes at More Than Money. J.D., I've given Fire Nation a little overview, but why don't you take a minute, tell us about you personally, we want to get to know you, and then tell us a little bit about your business right now.
1: Okay, great. Uh, Well, I'm from Portland, Oregon, born and raised. Uh, I didn't ever set out to write about personal finance. In fact, uh, I always thought I would write about poetry and science fiction. Uh, That that was kind of what I wanted to do when I was younger. I wanted to be a writer. Yes. Somewhere along the way, uh, namely college, I got deep in debt. And uh, after I graduated from college, all during the 1990s, I just dug a deeper and deeper hole, got further and further into debt. So by early uh, 2004, I guess it was, I had over $35,000 in consumer debt and I just, I felt completely overwhelmed. Uh, My wife and I, my then wife, uh, we bought a house together and uh, uh, that was like the final straw. It was just, it was too much for me to handle. and So I started reading everything I could about personal finance, just like you said. And uh, to, to kind of share what I was learning, uh, I started getrichslowly.org and uh, I was just writing about my experience with money and uh, the things I was learning. And it ended up, it didn't just help me get out of debt and build wealth, it helped other people too. And before I knew it, that had grown into a business. Uh, I I spent my youth, my, my 20s and most of my 30s, I worked for the family business, I, I sold corrugated boxes to industry, and uh, when I started the blog, it just gradually built income as the audience grew, and within a couple of years, I was able to quit my day job selling boxes and just work on the blog full time. And So now, uh, I've retired from Get Rich Slowly, but I spend my entire time uh, writing about personal finance and uh, meeting with people and trying to help people get their financial lives put together.
0: That is a great journey. I look forward to delving more into that later in the interview. But before we move into our next topic, I would love for you just to share those beginning days of the blog. You launched Get Rich Slowly. And let's be honest, you were the only reader maybe besides your then wife because that's how every single blog starts. It has to because nobody else knows about it. Take us very quickly through the progress of the next couple months or years and how that snowball started?
1: Well, I was actually very fortunate. I've been online or had been online since 1993 and had been writing websites since the very early days of the web. And I'd been participating in communities. And so I had an established reputation in different communities, not personal finance communities, but comic book communities and uh, other discussion forums. Uh, Plus, I had a personal blog that I've been writing since before blogging was even a word. I started writing for the web in 1997. Because of this, I had an audience. So when I started Get Rich Slowly, I was able to leverage some of that audience and bring it over. And uh, again, I was fortunate because some of the readers that came in were influential from the very beginning. And I didn't realize that I had influential readers, but I did. And they were able to share the site on their sites, for example, on Lifehacker or on Boing Boing. Uh, which are relatively large sites. And this brought increased traffic quickly. But uh, what I did to, to build traffic then was just to provide solid content on a daily basis and try to build the relationships with other personal finance bloggers.
0: See, that's great because you weren't specifically following a passion of yours. You were just finding the pain that you personally had, which was this overwhelming stress that comes from debt. And no matter what industry you're in, It always comes back to the fact that we need to make sure that we're spending less money than we make if we really want to keep our heads above the water so everybody can relate to what you were doing and what you were going through. So you didn't have a finance following, but you had a following of sorts who could immediately relate to what you were doing, and what you were going through, because on some level, everybody goes through personal finance issues on some level every single day, every single week, every single month. So I definitely see how that translated.
1: Yeah. And you just said something interesting, actually. You said that I didn't have a passion for personal finance. And I didn't. My passion was writing. And this is something uh, that I've kind of been struggling with lately. I've always said that a person should follow their passion. Do what you love and the money will follow is one of the things that I've always uh, adhered to. But more and more, I'm beginning to realize that maybe this isn't true. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Cal Newport. Yeah. But uh, Cal Newport argues that no, you should not follow your passion. Instead, you uh, find things you're good at, uh, you do those things, and you find ways to uh, to make money doing those things, and you, and you learn to love them. Uh, he's got <laughs> he's got a, a couple of interesting books and a, a great blog, and uh, he also spoke at a conference I organized, and uh, his his message is great. If people are, if there are people out there who don't like the message, follow your passion. They should look at Cal Newport and see what he has to say.
0: What is his blog, JD?
1: It's calnewport.com slash blog.
0: Perfect. I just wrote that down and we will link that up in the show notes. So JD, we are now going to transition to our first real topic, which is the success quote, because we love getting the motivational ball rolling here at Fire Nation. I know you have a great success quote for us. So go ahead, share it with Fire Nation.
1: Okay, so this quote is a little bit long, but uh, this is basically my life motto, and it's from a poet, a Persian poet named Hafiz, and I don't actually know when uh, Hafiz lived, but this is the quote. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows, while the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. And so... Essentially, what this quote is saying is, "You know there are people out there who want to uh, define you and put you in boxes or tell you you can't do things uh, but the people you need to listen to or the person you need to be is the one who's out there just doing stuff and telling other people how to do things because I think that when you are successful and when you uh, help other people be successful it just it 's kind of like a uh, I don't know how to say it. It's like we all help each other reach our fullest potential. And to me, this is very important because there are so many people who just, they want to put you down and say you can't do the things you want to do.
0: Truer words, JD, may have never been spoken. (laughs) So let's delve into our next topic, which is failure, which are challenges, obstacles that entrepreneurs face at so many points in their journey. I know that you've failed before, that you've faced challenges that you've had to overcome. Take us back take fire nation back to a time in your journey when you failed when you came against an obstacle that you had to just dig deep to overcome and then share with us how you did overcome that failure that obstacle
1: well the very fact that i'm here talking with you john is overcoming an obstacle i was always an introvert i was always shy i didn't like any kind of public speaking and so uh... One thing that the blog led to was an opportunity to deal with the media, yeah, an opportunity to do public speaking gigs. And these are things that I was scared of at first and not just scared. I was terrible. I remember my first radio interview was with a station in Seattle and they had called and they wanted to talk to somebody about retirement savings. And I was scared to do it. But one of my models is just, just do the things that I'm afraid of. Uh, just say yes is what I call it. And so I did it. I said, okay, I'll do this uh, interview with you. They asked me a question about retirement savings, and I froze up. I couldn't say anything other than people should save, people should save. And it was, it was mortifying to be on this major radio program in Seattle and not be able to say anything other than people should save. Uh, so gradually over time, even though I remembered how – awful the feeling was to fail at that interview and and other interviews too. I just kept doing the interviews until I got the hang of it. And the same with public speaking. My first public speaking gig, or one of my first ones, was in front of a uh, group of financial planners. And my presentation was terrible, terrible, terrible. And now I'm not saying I'm a great public speaker, but I'm not afraid to get up on stage in front of a thousand people even and to talk about whatever it is I'm gonna talk about and just have faith uh, that I'll do okay.
0: Wow, that is a powerful story because so many people struggle with that. And public speaking is the number one phobia in the world. I mean, and it has been since they've been tracking this thing. I mean, it's even more of a phobia than death. It's crazy that people just have this terrifying notion of speaking in public. And you're right, the only way to really overcome that is to do it. And you know, for me, it was just getting on the microphone and doing interview after interview. And now I've done over 130 interviews. So it's just so much easier now to get on the mic with somebody like yourself, JD, who's been doing this and knocking it out of the park for so long. And I recently did a radio show for Voice of America. And I I had that same thing as you. I mean right now I can make a little mark on my piece of paper next to me and say, let's go back to 11 minutes and 10 seconds and and cut out that part because I might have stuttered or I might have said something wrong. And I know that in the back of my mind that I can always go back and edit if necessary because this isn't being broadcasted live. But man, when you're live in front of people or when you're live on the airwaves and you know that the next word is immediately going out to ears, that's a scary thought.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So- J.D., let's use that to transition to our next topic. That's the other end of the spectrum, which is the aha moment. Just like all entrepreneurs fail, all entrepreneurs have these light bulbs that go off on so many levels, small little aha moments, big aha moments. Take us back to a time when you had this light bulb that just went off and you said, wow, this is going to resonate incredibly well with my fans, with my target audience. And then share with us how you turned that into a success.
1: Well, for me, I think my biggest aha moment wasn't actually like a light bulb being flipped on. It was more like a dimmer switch being gradually turned up. Nice. Um, and that was the realization that I am responsible for my own life. I am responsible for my own happiness, for my own success, for everything that happens to me. I need to, be, to take ownership of that. And that helped me turn around my personal finances. It helped me lose 50 pounds. It led, uh, unfortunately, uh, to my divorce. It, uh, it led to all sorts of other personal changes that I've made in order to become the kind of person that I want to be and need to be in order to be happy. And so this isn't exactly anything that I was sharing with readers, although I have shared this story gradually as uh, I've developed as a person. But to me, it's been the most important realization in my life that I am the one was responsible for making sure that my life is what I want it to be because nobody else is going to do it for me.
0: So let's take it down to the ground level and let's use your example of weight. You were able to lose 50 pounds, which is an extremely large number. Right. Share with Fire Nation how you lost these 50 pounds. What was that change that you made in your lifestyle, in your everyday thinking or actions that really led to this success?
1: Well, first of all, it had to be a psychological change. Uh, I had to decide that I was worth being healthy and being fit uh, and that nobody else could do this for me. It was something that I had to do for myself. And so in my case, you know, everyone has their own story of weight loss and becoming fit. Uh, For me, what I had to do was find a method of exercise that worked for me, and I tried all sorts of different things. And I eventually stumbled upon CrossFit, which is a very popular uh, method of exercise right now. I describe it as like gym class for adults because every day is different. You're doing different things. And it's short, uh, it's intense effort done over a short period of time. And when I found CrossFit, uh, which is done in classes, you do it with a group, I I realized, okay, I have accountability here. These people know whether I'm coming or not. I was varied enough that it kept my interest. And once I started doing the exercise and shedding the weight, well, then I started focusing on the food too and, and making sure my diet was right. And so uh, with losing the 50 pounds, it was just a matter of being patient and looking for something that was going to be effective for me. And then once I found the thing that was going to be effective, to do the work, because you have to do the work. If you don't do the work, you can't get the results.
0: J.D., have you had an I've made it moment?
1: You know, I have those every once in a while. Uh, I've actually experienced one last week. Um, For me, I think... The biggest I made it moment was when I was able to sell, get rich slowly um, and and basically put that, de-risk it, put that burden on somebody else so that I could, was able to pursue all the other things in my life that I knew I needed to take care of to make myself happy.
0: Are you transparent with your revenue numbers on that?
1: Uh, I was at first. (laughs) I was at first until the numbers became too large. And (laughs) Then my wife and my lawyer and my accountant, uh, all three started telling me, hey, J.D., you shouldn't be sharing this information. And so I stopped sharing it.
0: Roger. Well, listen, I love this question, the I've made a moment, because every entrepreneur approaches it differently. I'm so glad to hear that you say that you've had a number of I've made a moments because that means you're truly enjoying these milestones that you're hitting, that these accomplishments that you're having, you're looking back and you're really just appreciating the journey. Right. S- some entrepreneurs just have their head down and as soon as they hit their goals, they just raise that bar even higher and they never are really enjoying the journey. Other entrepreneurs are having I've Made It moments every single day because they're really just enjoying every single step that they're taking along their journey towards their goal. What are your thoughts, J.D., about the journey?
1: Well, I think it is important to enjoy it. Uh, obviously, you have to do the work, like I said earlier. But for me... I've learned that it's not really the destination that's important. I know this is trite. This is as trite as can be, but it's not the destination that's important. It, it, it's the process. It's the journey getting there. And in a very real way, the journey itself is the goal and not the destination. And um, I've learned to just kind of relax and and be in the moment and uh, just enjoy life and the work that I'm doing. Uh, and I, I've learned to have faith that if I do that and I do it well, then opportunities will come along and I will achieve success.
0: So speaking of the work that you're doing, J.D., let's talk about that right now. Okay. What is one or two things that are just really exciting you about what you're doing right now?
1: Well, for me, the, the most exciting thing is uh, by retiring officially from Get Rich Slowly, which I retired in October, I'm now able to write at uh, my new blog, More Than Money, I'm writing about whatever the hell I want to write about, and to me that's really exciting. Uh, of course, this isn't really making me much money. It's making me about hundred dollars a month right now. But that's okay. I'm I'm just doing it because uh, I'm enjoying it. But I'm also excited about the opportunities I'm having to speak and to share my message about self improvement, not just about personal finance, but about self improvement in different parts of the country and the globe. Even uh, I've just agreed to speak at a small conference, a, a retreat really, in Ecuador uh, next September or October. And so that's really exciting to be able to to go out and meet with people in Atlanta, and Denver, and Cincinnati, wherever it is I'm going, and uh, help them improve their lives. It's fun stuff.
0: That definitely sounds fun. Now, J.D., you mentioned that you are making about $100 a month with your new blog. Now, obviously with Get Rich Slowly, you were making a lot more than that at its high point, which is why you were able to successfully sell it. Can you share with Fire Nation your current revenue model, how you're making $100 a month with your current blog, and what your plans are to increase that number as the days, weeks, months go by?
1: The, the blog itself is really unexciting right now because all I'm doing is I'm using uh, Google Ads and uh, Amazon affiliate links. and uh, So the blog itself isn't generating much income. But for... Uh, For me and the the work I'm doing, the entrepreneur type stuff, is is I consider myself kind of a freelancer essentially. I I write and so I have different writing gigs including for Entrepreneur Magazine and so I generate income through these various writing gigs but I would love for the blog to become the primary source of income Uh, but to be honest, John, I don't have a plan for it yet on how to do that. My plan is to get used to writing about different topics on a regular basis and publishing good content because I figure if I can get back in this habit and figure out how to do it for this site, once I've established the base of content, then I can monetize it. Then I can figure out how to make money off of it. That's what I did in the past, and I have faith that it will work in the future.
0: And you put yourself in a great situation where you can, quote unquote, afford to do it your way, which is huge. Right. So, JD, what's your vision for the
1: future? Oh, that's a fantastic question. That is a fantastic question. If you had asked me this, uh, say, nine months ago, uh, I was just coming out of the divorce. I just moved into an apartment. And I didn't really know where I was going. Nine months ago, I would say that my vision for the future was I was going to travel wherever I wanted to travel, and uh, right from the road, and just learn about life. I thought I was going to go off the grid and just live on some of my savings for a while. Uh, now, nine months later, it's kind of it's kind of up in the air. I'm in a relationship with somebody I really, really like. Uh, I don't want to travel and leave her. I, I went. I spent five weeks apart from her, and I hated it. Um. And so I've got some different opportunities. I told you that I had a I've made it moment last week, and that's because one of the opportunities that has come along is to possibly host a national radio show. And I'm like, wow, really? And uh, we'll see if anything comes to that. So I feel as if there are all these different opportunities. Because I've done the work, because I was able to sell the blog and uh, build this nest egg, uh, because of a lot of things, it's as if I can choose my own adventure. I can choose what my destiny is. And so I'm just trying to take the time to be cautious and patient and to pick a destiny that fits well with who I am and what my goals are.
0: Wow, that's an exciting place to be,
1: JD. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So we've now reached my favorite part of the show. This is the lightning rounds, and this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you provide us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan?
1: Uh, I'll do my best. How's that? (laughs) That's all we can ask, JD.
0: What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur?
1: Fear, really. I, I was afraid of failure.
0: What is the best business advice you ever received?
1: That's Again, that's a great question. For for me, I think I used to subscribe, as I said, to the do what you love and the money will follow. More and more, I think that it's important for people to do what they're good at and to just be open to ideas that might lead to using what they're good at in ways that will make them money. And in my case, it's writing. I love to write, never plan to write about money but it worked and I was able to make a living at it.
0: Let me run this by you. I don't even know who I can attribute this to, but it was at a recent conference that I was at where this guy got up on a whiteboard and he drew two intersecting circles. And in the circle on the left, he wrote all the things that he'd like to do. On the circle on the right, he wrote all the things you can actually make money at. And then he took whichever ones coincided or worked well together and move them into that little intersecting overlapping oval in the middle and said, that's where you can choose what you can actually move forward with. It's not just passions. It's not just something that will make you money. It's got to be something that overlaps to some level. What do you think of that line of thought?
1: I I think that's great. I actually uh, saw that this summer uh, in Denver, Colorado at the Financial Bloggers Conference. Adam Baker from Man vs. Debt shared that. uh, There you go.
0: That's who it was. Adam Baker, who's been on the show, Man Versus Debt. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. What is something you regret doing or not doing at some point in your journey? And what lesson did you learn from that?
1: One thing I regret not doing is not focusing on monetization at my website sooner or not being more adept at it. Uh, When I started Get Rich Slowly, I did it to make money, but it was kind of just a hobby. And uh, uh, eventually, it made enough money that it replaced my full-time income. But even then, I wasn't taking as full advantage of the money-making opportunities as as I could have. I just didn't understand that there was so much available for me to do with the website uh, because it's in the personal finance niche uh, that I could make money at. And so I basically left a lot of money on the table for a long time.
0: So if you could look back and talk to J.D. Roth of that time period, what would you have told him to do specifically?
1: Get over your fear. Go out and approach uh, potential advertisers, whether they're banks or investment firms or whoever it is. Go out and approach them and don't be scared to do it. One of the most amazing things, I've discovered an amazing group of women. Uh, They call themselves the Savvy Bloggers. They have the Savvy Blogging Summit every uh, summer. And they're essentially a, a group of a lot of them are, are stay at home moms and they write about deals, about coupons and that sort of thing. But they do a fantastic job of connecting with brands. They go out, they introduce themselves to various brands around the country and say, we would like to do work with you. And they make a lot of money doing this.
0: Great advice. If you can only choose two websites to obtain all the information that you needed to succeed, what would those two websites be and why?
1: Well, I think that the, the first website I would choose, uh, it, both of these websites are going to be from two people that I consider colleagues and friends. Uh, the first website would be zenhabits.net, which is written by Leo Babauta. And uh, it's just a, it's a site focused on simplicity, on self discovery, and on just being the best person you can be, but without judgment. And uh, Leo and I started our sites about the same time. and We've helped each other to grow, and I just think he does an amazing job. The other site is by my close friend, Chris Guillebeau. Uh Chris lives here in Portland, too, and we put on the World Domination Summit together. And He writes a site called The Art of Nonconformity, which it, it documents his travels around the world. He shares information about entrepreneurship. Uh, I'm sure your audience is probably familiar with The $100 Startup, which is the book he wrote last, or this year, published this year. Uh, And he he writes about personal development. And to me, his site is one of the most valuable sites that I read.
0: Two great websites. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're in love with that you can share with our listeners?
1: Uh, Well, not anything anyone's unfamiliar with. My favorite internet resource is Dropbox. Love it. it, uh, I have a little story about how I came to love Dropbox, how I came to embrace it. Let's hear it. I was writing my book, Your Money, The Missing Manual. This was uh, early 2009. I was on the very last day of work on it, the very final edits, uh, and I had to submit all of this to the publisher, and no joke, my hard drive crashed. It was like something out of a bad movie, and I was was sweating bullets. I was in a panic because I had all this work that was just going to It was months of work, and it was going to be lost. And so I drove to the store, I picked up a hard drive, an external hard drive, came back, I managed to salvage just the documents, just the files for the book. I couldn't get anything else off the hard drive, it was toast. And from that moment on, I've saved everything to Dropbox. Uh, Nothing gets saved to the hard drive, unless I'm downloading something briefly. Everything that I work on gets saved to Dropbox so that I know I'm not going to lose it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great story.
0: If you could recommend a book for Fire Nation, what would it be?
1: You know, I, I think one book that would be good for Fire Nation, uh, there's, a, there's a fellow named uh, Tom Butler Bowden, uh, last name is B-O-W-D-O-N, and he writes or collects a series of books, collects is the wrong word, he, he writes a series of books called 50 Blank Classics, so like 50 Success Classics, or 50 Prosperity Classics, or 50 whatever they are. And what he does is he goes through, in three or four pages, he summarizes uh, a very important book. He provides information about the author, about the context of the book, and he gives quotes from the book. And I find that Butler Bowden's books uh, are fantastic because they're an introduction to various other books that I might want to go read. So for example, in 56, uh, Success Classics, he might write about, um, uh, a book by Warren Buffett or, uh, I've discovered an old author called Orson Sweat Marden through uh 56S classics. And I think these are great books that would be perfect for your audience because they give them bite-size they can give your audience bite-sized bits of information and lead them to lots of other books that will be useful in the future.
0: That is wonderful and that is unique for Fire Nation because we've heard a lot of great recommendations on the show, but none by Tom Butler Bowden. And this is interview 130 plus. So Thank you for that, JD.
1: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: So this is the last question. It's my favorite, but it's kind of tricky. So take your time, digest and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the
1: next seven days? For me, I think I would do the same thing that I do whenever I travel to any foreign country, and that is to just spend the first few days relaxing, taking everything in, um, observing my surroundings, and getting to know the people and the environment that I'm in. I was recently in Turkey, and my favorite days were the two or three days that I just took downtime and sat on the street at a street cafe or wherever it was that I was sitting at that particular time and just interacted with the people and tried to be part of the culture. I feel like I get so much out of that. Uh, The experience leads to ideas for uh, businesses or stories or whatever it is Uh, and the experience also helps me learn more about myself. So if I were to find myself on a strange new world uh, I would just take some time to relax and be part of that world. And uh, then from there Try to figure out what happens next.
0: J.D., that is great, soothing advice. And you have just given us great advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye.
1: So my parting piece of guidance would be to not worry about what other people think, to stay true to yourself, to make choices that make you happy, even if it's going to come at the expense of business colleagues or friends or or whatever it might be. And this might sound harsh. It might sound like I'm saying, just do whatever the hell you want and and don't care what other people think. Um, And I'm not saying you should go out there and be a jerk, but I'm saying that it's the most important thing you can do in the world is do what it is you need to do to feel fulfilled and be happy. And if you're not happy, you need to change that and you need to make the choices that will bring you happiness.
0: Powerful. Now, Give yourself a plug.
1: All right. My name is J.D. Roth. I founded GetRichSlowly.org. I currently write for Entrepreneur Magazine, and uh, I've been writing at my new blog, More Than Money, which you can find at J.D.Roth.com. J.D.,
0: thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your knowledge. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Thank you very much, John. All
0: right, Fire Nation. Are you pumped up to create a podcast and share your message with the world? Don't let your lack of time, knowledge, or skills hold you back. All you need to do is record an MP3, send it to my team at Entrepreneur on Fire, and we do the rest. It's really that simple. Visit podplatform.com. That's P-O-D platform.com to find out more.
1: Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.